Good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. Good to worship with you. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Pastor Chris. It's great to have you at New Life today. And uh, man, it is the middle of the Christmas season already. How many of you this month is flying by? It's like it just we just had Thanksgiving and then all of a sudden we're here and it's time to celebrate Christmas and be in the middle of it. And uh, it's a great season because people are aware of Jesus. How many of you have seen that? You get to have conversations with people about why we really celebrate and what's going on today. And uh, last week, we started a series called A Glorious Mess. We said that hopefully that that wasn't describing our our services or the sermon. But uh, sometimes in life, how many of you know that life doesn't come at you in straight lines and neat little packages? There's something about life that gets messy. And especially, it seems to be uh, more prevalent around the holidays. Has anybody encountered a Christmas mess yet this year? Either the, the presents that you wanted weren't in the store, the deliveries didn't come on time, the, the lights didn't go up the way we want them to. We talked about that last week. I asked somebody, yeah, how, what'd you get out of the message that last week? And they said, that I can buy an artificial tree. <laughs> I'm like, well, that, that wasn't exactly where I was going with the message last week, but that, that, if that's what you caught, that was what Jesus wanted you to hear the, that morning. But uh, I feel like sometimes around Christmas, the messes get more prevalent because we get around p- more people. Oh, I didn't know Uncle Joe was going to be at the family gathering. And then all of a sudden there's a mess and it becomes awkward. And Jesus walks with us through those things. That was the point of last week. We said, Emmanuel, God with us. No matter what the mess is in our lives, we can trust that Jesus is right there in the middle of it. Because messes will happen, but he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And I feel like no matter how many times that we say that to ourselves, or we hear somebody tell us, it's okay, Jesus is with you no matter what you go through. How many of you have heard that more than once in your life? How many of you have heard that in this room more than once? Jesus is with you no matter, and no matter how many times we hear it, sometimes we still have a hard time picturing Jesus being somewhere that's messy. I don't know about you, but it's like I, I picture, oh, maybe it's, maybe it's our, our worship gatherings. They're so neat and they're so clean. And we all look nice and we've looked in the mirror and we've, we've shaved and we put on deodorant, hopefully. Like sometimes we picture Jesus could be in that place, but not in the places where it's messy or it's dirty or there's things going on. I don't know why we, we have that mentality or we have that picture in our head. Maybe it's how neat Christmas time is and everything looks bright and cheerful. Maybe it's because we've seen things in black and white and sometimes red. And, and we read these stories and we forget they were real stories in real life. Maybe it's centuries of religious artwork. Go ahead and put that next picture up there, Kelvin. Anybody ever see a picture like that? How many of you know that is not what that first Christmas looked like? It's, it's like they paint these paintings that it's always so neat and everything's in order and everybody glows, just like my head. Like this, they've got the halo around them. And I, this one cracks me up because there's even, even baby Jesus sitting on Mary's lap. He's already making the hand gesture, like, bless you, my son. That looks pretty good for like three hours old or three weeks old when the wise men showed up. However old he is there, he's already got the hand thing and he's making the sign. I don't know what it is, but sometimes after all these years of seeing these pictures, we forget they were real people that went through real stories and life was messy sometimes. And it was especially messy when Jesus showed up on the scene. One of the the darkest times in history under Roman rule, it says the people living in great darkness saw a light. And Jesus came in the middle of it. And however we get to those places where we think Jesus can't be in the middle of the mess, I want to read a little bit of the Christmas story this morning and remind us 
that there were real messes that happened and that God sent his glory in the middle of that. Come on, if you, if you were Joseph, talk about your life being in a mess all of a sudden. I got plans. I went to tech school to be a carpenter, and I got this girl that I'm engaged to, and oh my gosh, my fiance turned up pregnant. Now the whole village is gossiping about us. Do you think Joseph felt like his life was in a little bit of a mess already? Like, how did this happen to me? Like, God, that's nice that you sent me a dream, and you sent Mary the angel and the Holy Spirit, but why did you pick me? And he's in the middle of this mess, and and as if it wasn't bad enough trying to figure out how am I going to explain to everybody what's going on with Mary and what the plan is for my life. In the middle of that mess, Caesar ordered a census to be taken. How many of you know 2020 is a census year in the U.S.? We are going to get a questionnaire. We're going to fill it out. It is ridiculous how easy the government makes it for you to fill out the census forms. They actually hire more people so that they can have government workers come and help you fill out this form. They, it's, it's been 10 years. Does anybody remember the last census? No. Everybody in the room shaking their heads. No, I don't remember. Why not? Because it was stinking easy. They, they almost do it for you. It's so ridiculously easy. But how many of you know in Joseph's day, that wasn't what it meant? When, when Caesar ordered a census to be taken, you didn't get to say no. You couldn't just throw the paper away in the trash and say, oh, I'm not going to fill that out. Nothing will happen to me. You had to do what they said. And in Caesar's day, when the Romans ruled, you literally had to go back to the town that you were born in to register and be counted for the census. And I know it's, it's hard in Pittsburgh to say that and, and think about it because most of us in Pittsburgh were thinking, Hey, that's no sweat. I live like three doors down from where I was born. Come on, any, any lifetime Pittsburghers in the room that that's true for you? We, we have this, I don't know why. I didn't know that people actually flew on airplanes and traveled places until I moved out of Pittsburgh and met other people. And I'm like, I'm going to the airport, I bought a plane. And they're like, what's the big deal? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh. We don't do that all the time. I don't know what it was, but they had to travel back to where they were from. And this was not like just going from Bridgeville to Monroeville. I mean, some, for some of us in Pittsburgh, that is out of the question. Like, I, that is two tunnels and three bridges. Like, I'm not going to Monroeville. This was a little bit further than that. From, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. From, from where they lived to get to where Joseph was from was probably about 90 to 100 miles. And they didn't have cars. They, they loaded. And come on, it wasn't like, oh, everybody in the town's leaving. I'm pretty sure back in the day they didn't have simply safe security systems. Like, like if, you didn't want your, if you wanted your stuff to still be there when you got back from the census trip, you probably had to load everything that you didn't want to have stolen on the donkeys with you and take it with you when you try come on are we thinking at all this was a real mess this was a real story that these guys this was a major inconvenience to life and on top of that my wife is nine months pregnant i i'm is anybody else like i know the stuff jesus went through in life was hard but does anybody else i would give up right here like nine-month pregnant wife, 90-mile hike with no car, and i got to carry everything I own. I'm done. Like forget the rest of the story and going to the cross and all that. I'd be done right there off the bat. And you guys are looking at me like, Pastor Chris, you are a whiner. Like, <laughs> what is the big deal? I'm trying to paint the picture that this was real, and it was hard, and it was a mess. 
And they had to load everything that they wanted to take with them to go to Bethlehem to be counted. And so they started on this journey. We pick it up in, in Luke chapter 2. The, the Christmas story is hugely familiar to everybody, but we'll read some verses and pull some truths out of it this morning. Luke chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, Everyone went to his own town to register. See what I mean about black and white? Everything is, is so cut and dry. We read those stories and we're like, oh yeah, everybody went to register. If it's 90 to 100 miles away, it's probably taking you over a week. Think about this. If you're, if you're making a tent... How many of you have walked 10 miles in a day? Dave Tkarczyk, I know you walk all the time. Have you done 10 miles in a day? It's, it's, t- 10 miles is a lot. If you are a walker, you know that 10 miles is a lot. Are you making 10 miles a day of progress with all of your stuff and your nine-month pregnant wife on the donkey? I don't know. One, one time when, when Pam was pregnant, I don't know how many months it was, but we were driving from Virginia to Pittsburgh where we were living, we had to make three stops in the first hour. Well, one before we left, I remember. Because we were like 20 minutes down the road. All right, I'm settled in. I got my drink. I am got my snacks. I'm driving. And Pam says, we got to find somewhere to stop again. You're not making much progress, progress with the 99-month pregnant woman on the 90-mile journey on the back of the donkey bouncing up and down like that. And all the women are thinking, I can relate to this story. And the men are like, what's the big deal? So it says they went to their town to register. We gloss over these things, but it was a big deal. And it says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. See what I mean? It's so nice and neat in black and white. She was expecting a child. She was nine months pregnant on that donkey. And uh, I can't imagine. This is so cool that God used Caesar to say, hey, I'm going to order this census so that my son can be born in Bethlehem and fulfill all these prophecies. Isn't God so cool? He even uses the ungodly and the unrighteous to accomplish what he wants to have done in his plans. And so he made them go back to to Bethlehem, and they had no car. They took all their stuff. Uh, It probably still took more of a week. And I want to say a truth that I pull out of this verse this morning. It's okay if the journey is messy and uncomfortable. Can I say that to us this morning? How many of you have been on a journey in life that sometimes is messy and uncomfortable? Like everybody in the room, just about our hands went up. It's okay. We don't always have to run and avoid those things that are messy and uncomfortable. Why not? Because Romans 8 tells us that God is working all things together for good. Come on, if, if you are a believer, you are loved and called according to his purpose is what that verse says. Everybody say all things. Because I, I got a list of things that I'm not so sure God could ever use them to make anything good happen. But the promise of Scripture is that he uses all things to come together. Is it say for his good? That verse in Romans actually says he's working all things together for our good. What a promise. How many of you, that blows my mind that God, the God of the universe, that would even move pieces around and resources and have an ungodly leader like Caesar say, hey, get those people to Bethlehem. The God of the universe uses every single one of those things because he wants good to happen in my life. There's, there's some of us, we don't believe that. 
When we think about all the things that are happening in our life, there's no way, God, you don't even know who I am. All this stuff, it's out of your control. You can't see possibly what's happening to me. And God says, I see every bit of it. And I'm promising, I have guaranteed that I will use all of those things to work out good in your life. Man, can we just believe the Bible for a little bit? And think about things that he's up there. His mind is full of thoughts and good intentions towards us. It's okay if it's messy and uncomfortable because he's using all of it. And sometimes those difficulties and those things we walk through, they are refining us for something further down the road. We don't have to avoid everything that's hard or uncomfortable or unpleasant that comes through our lives. Sometimes I think we read a verse like Romans of, of God working all things together for good, and we think, what if I made the mess? Like, I can see God using all those circumstances that just happened to me because of life, or other people did them to me. I could see him using those circumstances, but what if I'm the one that caused it? I did something stupid. I did something sinful. I've, I've got a mess on my hands right now. You know that verse in Romans doesn't have a qualifier? It doesn't say God will use all those circumstances if you didn't cause them. If you, were, if you acted entirely righteous in the circumstance, he'll use them. It just says he'll use them all. And sometimes we, don't, we underestimate God's redeeming and saving power and the ability to use every circumstance, even the messes that we made. There's things that I've done that I can relate to people now or I know how it's going to come out and I've seen the faithfulness of God or I've experienced his forgiveness because I walked through those things. And it worked out for good that I can turn around and give to someone else. I'm thinking about this journey, Mary on the, on the donkey. You may not have a literal baby in your belly that was conceived by the Holy Spirit kicking your bladder, okay? You, I think Mary was very aware that Jesus' presence was in her life. Can we say it that way this morning? You may not have a literal baby in your belly conceived by the Holy Spirit, but more certain than Mary, feeling that baby kick her, you can be sure that Jesus lives in you. Come on, can you ever think about that? More certain than a physical, natural baby, the promise of Scripture says that if you are a believer, Jesus lives in you and that he will never leave you. That, that is amazing. Because we, we, we would have no problem thinking, oh, Jesus is with me if I'm carrying him inside and I'm feeling him kick. But more certain than Mary, you've got Jesus living inside of you and you can trust that he's with you working all things together for your good. Go on in the story. Luke chapter 2, verse 6, it says this, While they were there, so they got to Bethlehem, it says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. There's another one. It's like we just gloss right over that. The time came for the baby to be born. I think there was some excitement happening in the stable at this time. Has has anybody else ever had some excitement, or did you sleep through the entire birth? (laughs) Like real people having a real baby right here in the story, and sometimes we just read over it at Christmas time and we say, Oh, that's that's nice, they had a baby. The time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She hadn't even done this before. This was a new and crazy experience. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Of course there were no rooms in the inn because my entire family that was from Bethlehem came to town and they got there before me because I was traveling with the nine-month pregnant woman who had to make 12 bathroom stops. 
Of course there's no room left because everybody's there and they've taken all the rooms. <laughs> and when it says there was no room in the inn, I don't, I don't think at this time in history, Bethlehem really wasn't big enough to have a hotel. It, it was probably just a cluster of houses in a village together. And when they say the inn, what they're talking about is the tradition was, hey, I've got an upper level where I live and my relatives can st- come stay with me. I've got nice places with a bed and a place for you to stay. And the downstairs is like the garage. It's where I park the animals at night. That's where the tool shed is. That's where I don't care how it looks all the time when people come over. Anybody have a room like that in your house? I'm, I'm seeing a couple wives look at husbands, and they're, they're like, we've got several of those rooms. What's the matter with you? This is really, it would be like if your relatives came to your house and you said, hey, we've already got eight family members here, but you can stay in the garage with the cars and the oil spots on the floor. It's not the nicest place in the world, but there's still some place for you to come inside. And that's probably the equivalent of where Jesus was born. It was like the garage, but instead of parking cars there, they parked the animals there. (laughs) And in case you missed it in those verses, Mary had a baby in that place. Because I can tell you, it definitely wasn't the cleanest place in that house. And it definitely wasn't as clean as the delivery room in a hospital where we think, like, I would... Come on, some of us, you you may be in that camp where you want to have the baby at home and have a midwife come, but even in that place, you get the house ready and you clean it up and it's a sterile environment to come have a baby. This wasn't like that at all. And this is where Mary had Jesus. He came into the world. Does anybody think that that wasn't a mess? I, I Can I also say that there was no anesthesia at this time there were no drugs there were no epidurals she was having a natural childbirth if you are a brave woman you've done that (laughs) the first thing that pam said when we got to the hospital for silas because she had different experiences with the girls each each birth was unique but the first thing when we get to the hospital for silas to be born pam says Get the drugs now. (laughs) And there was a lady down the hall from us in the hospital who was going natural. Do you know how we knew? (laughs) Because we could hear her. It was literally the cliche. We heard the woman yelling, You did this to me! I hate you! And Pam's like, I can't feel my legs. This is great. (laughs) And I'm thinking, Mary couldn't even yell that at Joseph. (laughs) I want to be angry at you right now, but I can't. You wanted to do this to me. Is she pointing her finger at the sky? You did this to me. I don't know how that went, but I know she's having a natural childbirth and it's her first one and she's probably like, I've never felt this before. This is a mess. And she's having a baby in the middle of it. And, And I know that after the resurrection, Jesus walked through walls and appeared to people. But right now, I don't think he miraculous went from being on the inside to the outside. He didn't just, oh, look, I'm out. Make this sign. Like, bless you, my son. Thanks, Mom, for that room. Like, pretty sure he came out the way that all babies since the creation of time have come out. It says that Jesus 
was made like his brothers in every way. This is what it says in, first, in Hebrews. It says, since the children have flesh and blood, he became flesh and blood also. He came just like we came into the world. Talk about a mess. And the truth that I pull out of that scripture is Jesus will show up even in the middle of our mess. In fact, he's the savior of all mankind. I think he came particularly because of our mess. And so there, in the middle, in the middle of the animal snot and the manure and the straw and whatever else was happening, the, the drool, because they're in there, the, come on, cows and, and sheep in there eating their stuff and doing what they do. In the middle of that, and in the middle of childbirth and everything associated with it, the glory of all creation stepped into humanity. What a thought that he would clothe himself in flesh and come to experience what we've experienced in the world because we've been broken and in a mess and we needed him to come save us. And when Jesus gets involved, how many of you know there's always more people that get involved in the story? There's always room for a bigger party. And so Jesus, Mary's in there having this baby in the middle of the mess in the stable. And it says this in Luke 2, verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds out in the field. They were nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. Can I tell you, these are not the people that you would invite if you wanted the party to be nicer. <laughs> Come on, we're, we're already in this mess. Can we invite somebody that's going to help clean up and make things a little more respectable and help us tidy up after the birth? No, they're shepherds. They were out in the field at night with their sheep. I am not a camper. I don't like being out in any field at night. Even with a tent and a, and a sleeping bag. That's not me. But they're just laying out there with the sheep in the sheep stuff. I did say stuff, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's a different story for a different day. These were not the people that you invited if you wanted the party to be clean. We went one time to our, one of our first trips to Kenya. We, we went on this mission trip, and Silas had just been born. And being the great dad that I am of a, of a new son, I was like, man, we should buy him some weapons. Like, get him a shield and some bows and arrows and a club maybe, something cool, or a sharp knife. Like, I brought Silas back. How old was he when I brought back that machete from Mexico? He was like four, five. Pam's like, what are you doing? Like, are you insane? But I thought this shield was cool. And so we bought this at a little market. And they're like, yes, we handcrafted this shield from the skin of a goat. That we, we killed the goat, we skinned it, we put it out. Can I tell you, this smelled so bad that we left it in the garage for like a year after we came back from Africa. We, we got home, it's like, I don't, I don't remember that being that pungent when we were there in Africa. And so we came home and I'm like, hey, Silas, this is for you, but we're going to leave it out in the garage for a while. You can play with it outside. <laughs> what a terrible dad. Oh, that sounds awful. But it's been almost 20 years, 15, 20, some, somewhere close to that. And there is still something about this that if you want to come up after service and give it a smell... This is what the shepherds smelled like. Only probably multiply it by a hundred. 
This, this was the smell. So come up after service and, and be like, oh, I met the Christmas story right now. I, I, see the, I see the halo and the little baby Jesus. Oh, it's all coming back to me. This, this is really, I mean, we're talking real messes. That Why would you let those guys in? Like, oh, you've been out in the field all night with your sheep, haven't you? And that's the guys that they brought to the party. I went. There's there's several guys that a uh, couple couple Saturdays a month they go to Wiggies for wings. How many of you know where Wiggies is? Uh, a few people. Yes. So we went to Wiggies yesterday. Church at Wiggies on the two Saturdays a month. You can see Eric if you're interested in going. Wave at me, Eric. Eric, happy birthday, sixty already, man. Um, so we went to Wiggies yesterday, and there was a glory cloud in the restaurant. Only it didn't smell like a glory cloud. It smelled like the oil in the fryer hadn't been changed in three days. And I get home, and I, this morning, I go to put on my jacket, and I'm like, it smells like Wiggies. Oh, this is, this is gross. Like, I didn't want to do that. And that's, I picture that's exactly what the shepherds had going on. I can't help but smell like sheep no matter where I go, because I've been sleeping in the sheepyard with them. This is what I smell like. I'm outside. Forget the fact that I'm a guy that's working hard and taking care of these sheep, and I probably smell like a guy. Add on top of that the sheep smell. And these are the guys that got invited to the party. Isn't God wonderful? Because I think if we would think about what we look like spiritually... It goes way beyond. <laughs> like before I knew Jesus, it was worse than the shepherds and how they smelled out in the field and how dirty they were. And, that's, and I got invited to the party. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your saving power. And not, not only were they physically dirty, but shepherds were like low-class citizens back then. There, there was no Votech school saying, hey, our top ten career choices for next year, Shepherd made number three on the list. That wasn't your aspiration in life back then. There was, there was nobody that wanted to be out in the field with the sheep. In fact, they were considered such second-class citizens. Hear this for a second. Shepherds weren't even allowed to be called as a witness if you were having a trial to give testimony against somebody. God's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? Because the second-class citizens that were dirty and filthy and couldn't even be called to be a witness, who did he announce it first to? He said, I'm going to ask you to go tell everybody. Man, that's awesome, God. As if to make an eternal point, God says, those are the guys that are going to get the news first. Before anybody else. He didn't, come on, wouldn't it make more sense if you were God and writing this story, wouldn't you appear to the religious leaders and be like, hey, you know, tell the whole church there's a baby being born who's the savior of all the world and the religious leaders will. No, he told the shepherds that nobody even gave a second thought to in life. And so, you know, the story goes on. The angels appear from heaven. They begin to announce a savior is born for everyone. Glory to God in the highest. What a thought to be out in that field. Like, I hate camping, but I think I would have been out in the field for that night. I I would have signed up for that, to see the choir of the heavenly host come and appear and say, a Savior is born for all mankind. Let's sing together. Glory to God in the highest. And they begin to do that peace on earth towards men because His favor is on you. Whoa. 
Like, Lord, you didn't... I'm, I'm all about being a steward of the earth and taking care of our environment and the animals and all that. But God came to save mankind. Glory to God and peace on earth. Peace to men because his favor's on you. I came for you. And in Luke 2.15, it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Has something ever been so amazing to you that you literally dropped everything that you were doing to go be involved in that? Come on, I, I'm having, I was preparing for this message and I'm having a hard time thinking back to a time where literally I would drop everything that I was doing to go see what was going on. And that's exactly what they did. They got this message. This is so astounding. We, we're not packing up the sheep. We're not taking anything. Let's just go see what's happened here in Bethlehem. And it says they hurried off to go see what happened. And it doesn't say in that verse... They showered and put on clean clothes and fresh deodorant. They didn't trim up the beard and, and have a little shave. They hurried off. Just It was the world's first come-as-you-are party. Is, it, is anybody, do they still do that even? You get the phone call like in the three in the morning, hey, we're having a come-as-you-are party, whatever you're wearing right now. It was the world's first come-as-you-are party. The shepherds dropped everything they were doing, smell and all. Dirt caked faces and clothes, and they ran to see Jesus. It was that important to drop everything that they were doing. This is part of why we don't stand on a lot of pretense or circumstance when we gather together to worship. We don't have a dress code. We don't make people act a certain way. It's because Jesus invites us to come as we are. The, the mess and all we can carry in with us and be in his presence and say, Lord, I'm I'm here. <laughs> You probably know already, Jesus, but these other people don't know what's going on and the mess that I'm carrying in with me, but I'm here to be in your presence. Here's another truth from that story this morning. You don't have to clean up to receive the gift. Where did we ever get the idea that we had to fix ourselves up and clean ourselves up so that Jesus would accept us? Come on, how many people do you know like that? Like, oh, yeah, I'd love to come visit that church with you, but i got to get some stuff together first. Have you ever heard that? That, that, like, that is a literal thing that people struggle with. Like, oh, I could never go to that place because I still have this going on in my life. And we can never clean ourselves up enough for Jesus to accept us. That's why he came. He came to seek and save the lost. If they were already found and they were all cleaned up and had their act together, he wouldn't have needed to come to find them. And so we get to be in this place where it's like, Jesus, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. I got the mess. I can still receive the gift. And the good news is the gift will literally clean you up. You don't have to clean yourself up to receive it. We receive the gift, and then, wow, you begin to realize, he, he set me free from sin. He, he forgave the, the guilt and the shame that I was carrying around that I was feeling all the time. He, he lifted that off of me. And all I had to do was come and receive. I didn't have to change my clothes and go shower and put on fresh deodorant. I think the shepherds got that. 
And the invitation still goes out that way today to come and receive the gift, mess and all. Man, can you picture with me for a second Joseph's hands, just those those calloused, sun-baked, dirty hands. He was a carpenter. He had just been on a 90-mile journey. I picture like he hadn't even scrubbed under his fingernails. He probably had some dirt under the fingernails. I don't even know what they did about that because no fingernail clippers back then. Did you like grind them down on the stone or they just chipped off? Picture these dirty, sun-baked, calloused hands with dirt under their fingernails reaching into this manger where there's, there's drool and pay and all this stuff from the animals and picking up Jesus and handing him to the shepherds. Here in that messiest of messy places, the glory of the universe, God himself, laying there wrapped in flesh. And no pretense, no, oh, don't hand me to those guys. You don't know what they were out in the field with the sheep. Don't, don't pick me up, Joseph, your hands are dirty. Like, the God of the universe made himself accessible to all men. And it didn't matter how dirty our hands were and what was going on in our lives. He says, I am the Savior for all men everywhere. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Luke 2.17, it goes on to say this about the shepherds. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Come on, we always think of Andrew and Peter and the other disciples as being the first evangelists that carried the gospel and they started and founded the church. But there in the vicinity of Bethlehem, somewhere on the backside of the desert, a group of messy, smelly sheep herders were the first ones to announce the Savior of the world has come. Here's a truth for you out of that that we'll finish with today. We are all unlikely carriers of good news. Come on, if you, if you looked at all the characters in the nativity story and all the people that were living in the vicinity of Bethlehem and in Jerusalem and Judea and all the places where the Israelites worshipped, if you looked at all the characters and the people in the story, these are not the first people that you would have picked to announce the coming of the Savior of the world. Come on, those are the guys that can't even, they can't even go to court and testify. And you called them to go announce your birth. We are all unlikely carriers of good news we can if we went around the room this morning we could probably all come up with a great list of why we would disqualify ourselves from sharing the good news how, how can i talk about jesus when i still got this going on in my life how, how could i ever tell somebody because you don't know what my relationship is like with those people and pastor chris you say all the time that people are important and i i hate people or i've got broken relationships i can never be a witness for jesus Our messes don't invalidate the truth of the good news. Can can I tell you, no matter what you've got going on in your life, it doesn't change the truth that's in this book. You you could you could be living like, man, I don't want I'm I barely want people to see what I'm like on Sundays, but don't let them see me Monday through Saturday. Doesn't change the truth of this book and who Jesus is. And, the, and there, if the shepherds, with the mess that was going on on the outside and the inside, who knows what was going on in our lives, if the shepherds could announce good news to people, I think we could too. Yeah. I think there's, there's something, if the shepherds could do it, so could we. Maybe, look at your neighbor say, so can I. All right, I'll take a survey. Did the person that said that to you look like they really meant it? Come on, say it, say it to somebody with a little conviction. 
so could I. If I've never touched a sheep in my life, but I could share the good news. Come on. If they could do it sleeping out in the desert, I could do it sleeping in my bed in my house. There's something about the good news that should be easy to share because it's not about me. It's about Jesus and what he's done and what he continues to do in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I think that that is part of the good news to people in the world is like, hey, I'm still a work in progress. He's, he, I still see him continuing to, to work things out in my life. But you could start this journey with me right now. No matter if you've been walking with Jesus for three minutes, you're three minutes ahead of somebody else in the world. And if those shepherds could tell the good news to people, so could we. So there we go. There's our action point this week. Uh, it's a very simple one. Tell someone some good news this week. It, it could be as simple as telling someone, man, the world's not hopeless. Or, or hey, I love Christmas because we get to talk about Jesus. I, I don't know how you want to open that door, but if, if you don't have good news to share with people, you need to go back and look for something else in your life to talk about. And on that note, thank you, Pastor Chris, for that encouragement as we go out. I, I'm trusting Jesus is big enough, whether we see it or not, he's at work in our lives, working things together for good. And sometimes we get so myopic in our vision of what could you possibly be doing, Jesus, because all I see is this mess I'm in. All I see are the circumstance and the brokenness and the things that are going on in my life that I hate the fact that they're going on in my life. How could you possibly be at work? Because he promised that he is. And if we're not seeing it, I don't think the problem is on his side. I think we need to go back and look and say, Lord, what could I tell somebody? If, if you need to just say like, hey, my life's a mess, but let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> like, I don't know what the good news would sound like to you, but I just know that if shepherds could share it with people, we can too. Man, I'm, I'm not asking for get up at work in your workplace and preach a 20-minute sermon to people and, and have all your apologetics together. Like, I'm not asking for that. Just share some good news with somebody. It could be short. It could be simple. It could be a key that unlocks a door for them in their relationship with Jesus. You are loved. That could be simple good news for somebody, like we talked about at the beginning of service. Oh, look, there's one. Oh, there's a reminder for me while I'm preaching in case I don't get any amens. I got this card up here to remind me, like, hey, you're, you're doing good, Pastor Chris. You're loved no matter what. Let's go, let's go ahead and stand together. We're going to pray this morning, but if you're, if you're in this room this morning and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, maybe you thought you had to clean up first. Maybe you thought life is too much of a mess. I could never ask him to come into my life. I could never be around where Jesus is. This is a great day to knock that wall down, tear down that lie like we sang about this morning and just believe that he wants to have a relationship with me. If, that, if that's you, when, when we dismiss everybody else, I'd love for you to come up front and pray with us. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus. I also am mindful of everybody else in the room that we've all got different messes. You might think nobody's ever dealt with what I'm going through. It doesn't matter. Jesus has seen it. And it could be big, it could be small this morning. But what I would encourage you, if you're feeling the weight of that mess, don't leave this morning without getting somebody to just look you in the eye and pray with you. Say, I'm, I'm with you. I, I may not 
understand exactly everything that you're going through, but I know somebody that does. And, and we can pray to him right now. And, and so if that's you, I'm going to encourage you, when, when we dismiss, please come get some prayer this morning before you go. There's some people from the ministry team that will be up here to pray with you. And Jesus is here. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you walk through us no matter what the difficulties of life are. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you didn't come in just some sanitized story that we could never relate to, but you came just like us and walked through this life facing the same difficulties and the same dynamics that we face today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you walked through all of that so that you could be our Savior. God, everything that is in our life that we get so worked up about and concerned about, we just picture ourselves putting it back in your hands today. Everything that concerns us, we trust you with it, Lord. And I just just ask right now for those in this room, uh, what I I really felt earlier in the message was, uh, I don't know how to describe it other than there's some people in the room that you felt like there's a blockage happening in life. I, I can't move a single step forward in this area or there's some, there's some wall up that, that I can't even find a door to get through the wall. That's what you felt like in life right now. God, I ask whoever that is right now, whatever big or small area of our life that is, we ask that you would be the God that breaks down walls this morning. That, that you would remove any blockages, that you uh, would let us see the way forward. God, we thank you that you've already prepared our steps. (laughs) Scripture promises that you have ordered our steps, that you've made good places for us to walk, that we can trust you as we just put one foot in front of the other. God, I thank you this morning for coming and being a way maker and a wall destroyer. God, we say that we love you. We We ask this morning that you would open our mouths. That when, when we're outside of this place, when we get into the day-to-day, the Monday through Saturday grind of life, that we would remember that we have good news to share. Yes. That we might be unlikely carriers of it. That we wonder, we, we even think we would never pick ourselves. We wonder why you did sometimes, Lord. But that you've called us and you've given us hope for the world. Lord, let us be ones that open our mouths. Lord, not for our sake but so that Jesus would be made known in all the earth. God, we love you, honor you, bless us as we go from this place. Thank you for your goodness that follows after us everywhere we go and your promise that you are working all things together for our good. In Jesus' name.